Well, if you'd like to go over your budget, today's episode is for you. Not that we want you to go over your budget. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode number 60, and we're going to be talking about how to negotiate a budget with your spouse. So last week, we talked about why you need a family budget. We're in a mini series here. We have a couple more episodes to look forward to where we're going to get really practical on this and help you set up your family budget. But for today, we realized that, you know, because it's such a fire starter for some couples, we thought we should talk about how to talk about and how to negotiate a budget with your spouse. Well, that'll be good. But first... We had another five-star review uh-huh. from CTBJMD, who says, Great info. Love the stats and the challenges y'all encourage your listeners to do. Soulmates instead of roommates. Love that thought. Thanks, CTBJMD. That's awesome. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Good. Give me the warm fuzzies. Got the warm fuzzies? Yeah. All right. So... <laughs> But back to business here. Well, yeah, because this is not warm, fuzzy <laughs> stuff when we're talking about finances, right? No. And I think a lot of our own frustration about finances in, in days gone by, because we never we never kind of stopped at the front of it to get ourselves on the same page. Yeah, that's true enough. So yeah. my, my mentality was, you know, I get a raise. I think I had more spending power and I would behave out of that place. <laughs> yeah. And that caused frustration because you'd be at me not to buy something. And I'd be like, well, what's her problem? Like, I've got more money now. Yeah. Right? And then we both be frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that came from a few places because I have little or no visibility into our budget. Yeah. Not because you were hiding it. I just didn't. Well, do you know what? But For quite a few years, we didn't even have a budget. I just wanted to save and you wanted to spend. And we didn't really have yeah, a budget. Yeah, it was just kind of vague. And we just made sure, you know, we didn't spend too much so we couldn't pay off the visa yeah. bill at the end of the month. Yeah. So it was very vague. So we never figured it out. No. Yeah. But we also have different saving philosophies, right? Absolutely, yeah. And I believe that I'll create wealth through my career over time. Yeah. And you believe that wealth is created by saving money regularly, not spending. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So on the budget, we let the discussion be more about what you wanted versus what I wanted instead of starting with the reality of what we could and could not afford in terms of outflow versus inflow. Yeah. So good financial management is not about winning certain arguments, I think, is one of the takeaways here. It's about making sure that your outflows are actually less than your inflows. I mean, it's just such a fundamental concept, but it needs stated, right? And instead, for us, instead of going to the numbers, we would just get more frustrated between us. Right. Yeah. Because it'd be more about our philosophies than what was possible to start with, right? And you got to deal with both of those. It's almost more of a, like a control thing, I think. Well, you were trying to control me again? Oh, <laughs> but no, like we both had our own ways of doing things yeah. and we wanted that to be the way we did it. Oh, selfish. Yeah. 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 Not yeah. that I was trying to control you or you were trying to control me, mm-hmm. but we just wanted it our way, my way. Yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> did I time that right? Yeah, right. Okay. But, and that's a personality too, right? You feel most satisfied around finances when you're saving. Absolutely. And I feel best when I'm spending. <laughs> right. So, but that's okay because I'm a therapist. A part of my self care is retail therapy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought it was worth the pass. But it's taken us a while to get together on our money. Yeah, and you know, it's it was never a critical issue in terms of 
you know, that was going to make or break our marriage. No. But it's been stressful than more than most other issues we've had to face. So I think in that sense, we're pretty typical. Right. Yeah. So, but let's, let's get to what we can learn about how to negotiate this out because wrestling this through in your marriage is a challenge and, and we want to give some goods for our audience here. So the first piece of research from that I wanted to come to was published in the Psychology and Psychiatry Journal, which is great. But it's research from Capital One. Isn't that like a credit card company? A major North American credit card provider. So do you okay. think this is going to be biased? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so they're going to all tell us how great we're doing. So the quick facts that they have is that 93% of those surveyed believe their spouse is open to discussing money issues. I'm mm, thinking, yeah. Op- maybe they're open to it, but how well is it going to go? Open in the sense that they've already got the gun out and in their hand, right? <laughs> 25% disagree with their spouse about money at least once a month. Okay. I'm thinking... That might be accurate-ish. I was thinking more like 80 90%. Oh, really? You're going to say something or feel something about some misalignment in spending philosophies. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I'm being pessimistic today. Sounds like it. They did notice that young people are more prone to conflicts with their spouse about money, which is true. Younger people. Yep. Um, I've seen that research elsewhere. of couples believe they share the same philosophy as their spouse when it comes to managing money, such as saving versus spending. But the younger the couple again, the more this drops. 65% of couples report having the recommended three to six months emergency savings fund. I don't believe that. No. And most spouses spend independently of each other and only consult if it's over a certain dollar amount. So they're they're painting a pretty nice picture, which is, you know, that's fine. So, you know, to be fair, I don't have any horror stats on the flip side of this. But I just wanted to point out from the Federal Reserve, this statistic, which for our overseas listeners is a U.S. government institution. As of February 2015, there were $4.5 billion in outstanding car loans, $12 billion in consumer credit card debt, just under $10 billion in 24-month consumer debt loans. And we're going to talk about consumer debt in a little bit. Yeah. He did talk about it a little bit last week. but Yeah. So do I think that there's more financial stress in marriages than Capital One is reporting? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Now, as we go into this, the other thing is that gender comes to play in a role, play a role in this too, which I learned and I thought was pretty interesting. So yeah, gender plays a role in this, which we need to put on the table because we need to understand what's happening even on the gender level that we're predisposed towards when we sit down to talk to each other. Okay. 62% of households report that savings and investment decisions were made jointly. Men were primary decision makers for 26% of households and 12% female were primary. There's a little bit of a power balance towards male. Yeah. Okay. Imbalance, I should say. They found that women's involvement in household financial decisions increases with their share of household income and their formal financial education and decreases with their spouse's share of income and formal financial education. So the balance of power about decisions is related to how much money you're bringing into the home and how well educated you are in the, this area of finances. Okay, 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 yep. The woman's involvement also decreased with the wealth of the household. So as the household was wealthier, the woman was less involved, the wife. Really? Yeah, and it implies that, that women are more likely to have an influence on financial decisions when they contribute a larger income share in the household. Okay, so Which, like a stay-at-home mom wouldn't have a lot of decisions. No, it's like power. he earns it, he gets to say how they spend it. Okay, yep. So... The results in this kind of point to a bargaining approach to when we're modeling how to do this in the household. So the power in the household in terms of involvement in making important financial decisions is greater when the individual has more command over financial and educational resources. So if I make more than you and I am more skilled financially than you, I have more power over the decision. That's how this is playing out. Okay. Not saying 
if that's good or bad yet, just this is what is being observed. Okay. And a lot of articles cite this observation in the corollary that most wives have little influence as a result because generally there's a pay imbalance in North America. Right. But it begs this question. If it's common practice that whoever earns the most gets the most say in finances, is this a good way to go about it? That's the question I want to raise. Okay. So if I earn more, I get the most say. Is that is that a good sound? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> You don't like that earn more than me, right? So, and, and there's a lot of guys out there saying, you know what? I, by the way, nice job crossing your arms and the defensive <laughs> Shut up. body posture there. Just yeah. the chair's uncomfortable. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> but there's a lot of guys saying, duh, yeah, like I earn it, I get to spend it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can just relate to that completely. What? So you're saying I'm like this? Absolutely. Duh, Yeah. <laughs> So let's flip this on its head in a second, and I'll preach it myself here. Okay. Evidently. I can preach at you if you want. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Not in public. Okay. So talking to husbands. Okay. Mano a mano here. So you can sit okay. back and watch man to man. Oh, okay. Something happens, husband, and you get a disability so you can't work, but everything else stays the same in your life. You're a stay-at-home dad. Your wife becomes the income earner for the family. The things you want to spend your money on are not going to change. Okay. But now, by virtue of the terms you've already established, you have the minority vote on where the money goes. Oh. And I'm thinking when I propose this to myself as a husband, I'm starting to get uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. And you're starting to enjoy the conversation. Yeah. Because this whole idea that whoever makes the most yep. gets the most power. Yeah. It's kind of predicated on this idea that there's a me and a you in the context of a rather marriage. Rather than an us. Yes. So you get married because you want to be together. You don't yep. get married because you want someone to dominate. No. Usually. I didn't anyways. Most people don't. Okay. I didn't either. Okay. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> but when it comes to money, that's exactly what you're doing. If you're thinking that I earn it, I get to spend it. Yep. Yeah. And so we're, we're living in, we're violating our own value systems as husbands and hence there's friction. And maybe, maybe you go along with it now, but does this make you feel safer, more secure? I think not. That's my premise, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Because it's saying... You know, we're together and everything, but the money is mine, really. I get the call on that. Yeah. So I just really want to challenge you on this to really look at your fundamental values and ask your your spouse, how do you experience this? Talk to your wife. Mm -hmm. Say, you know, the fact that I earn more than you and I make a lot of the decisions, how does that go for you? And she'll be like, well, sometimes I resent that. I'm thinking she probably would say that. But how is it then that usually the wife is the spender? I don't know. I don't know either. Like I, I know, I'm not, so I don't want to globalize though, right? Not every couple's going to be like this. No. Right? No. In most couples, one spouse is the money manager. As mm-hmm. in, you know, that spouse pays the bills, keeps track of spending, creates and uses a budget. And I think this can happen for a few reasons. Like the one spouse has more expertise or experience in that. Yeah. Or has more time available to do it or enjoys yeah. it more than the other spouse. Mm-hmm. Like some people like tracking stuff and other people like, oh man. Yeah. Like, please, no. <laughs> And I, I'm, I believe it's okay for one spouse to be the money manager. In fact, it probably makes the most sense. But I think what works for us is I share power and control by giving you the money manager position, even though I'm the earner. Okay. And I'm wondering if that's a good model. Because I get concerned when I hear about the husband earning and controlling the money to the point where the wife is being treated like a child. That's the extreme we don't, we, I want to avoid. Right. That's hard to hear about. Yeah. Yeah. But for most couples, 
you know, where there's not significant power and control issues, there's other struggles. And you put the power issues aside, the most, the next most important factors as you consider how to negotiate finances are number one, trust, which I think we need mm-hmm. to talk about, because mm-hmm. trust must be earned in the area of spending money as well as in other areas of marriage, right? Right. And it has to be between both spouses for spending and for budgeting. So whether you do your accounts together or separate, having access to both and trusting in both directions is very, very vital. Yeah. So I think like as a wife who stereotypically is the spender, yeah, we need to earn that trust. Right. Right? Like when... Respect our, your husband's spending values or come to agreements on them. Yeah, yeah. But when we find out that, you know, money's tight this month yeah, and we go out and spend anyways, like we've just completely undermined the yeah. trust that our husband should have in us. Yeah. So we need to be careful in that department yeah. to respect each other and trust each other. Or even whoever's the spender and the not, I would say even reducing, eliminating the gender, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess I was just speaking for myself. Because the non-spender but. is probably going to feel the overexpense more. Yes. I'm guessing. And There's and, no guess there. <laughs> <laughs> right. The communication part here is essential too. So that's the second part when we're negotiating. Like mm-hmm. you actually have to talk about this. And the spouse handling the finances really needs to keep the other spouse informed. And yeah. as a principal in your marriage, I'm going to assert that major purchases must be discussed. Because that's those tie into like the wealth that you're creating, the future together, all there's dreams tied to that. And mm-hmm you know, thoughts about retirement. And if you're going and kind of blowing a piece of what I'm hoping for the future, yeah. that's going to strike deep. And that's that's where some real heat comes in that I've seen come into couples' relationships. Mm-hmm. And that would affect the whole trust issue you just yes. talked about too. Yes, Yeah. So at the end of the day, Verlaine, when it comes to actually time to negotiate, discuss, or just chat about financial matters in your marriage, we still have to use the standard communication skills. Like yes. there's no specialized set of finance skills. Right, right. Or for the conversation. communication skills, yeah. Okay, so one of these skills, just to remind ourselves that I I like to teach is soft start and from Dr. John Gottman. So a harsh startup happens when you're reviewing like our credit card bill and you're like, you blew the budget again. You are so unbelievable. That's a harsh startup. Like, how is that conversation going to go after that? (laughs) Not so great. Yeah. So when you begin with this criticism or sarcasm, you go from neutral to negative right away and then you're into a disagreement. Yes. Yeah. And we don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So if we start softly, mm-hmm. then, we, then can, we can work together mm-hmm. to resolve the problem. Yeah. Because they don't accomplish anything by starting with an attack. No. It's, not, it's it rarely productive. And it doesn't feel good to get that either. No. No. Yeah. Now, at the same time, these researchers found that those who are more satisfied financially engaged in less harsh startup. So it's less likely to be harsh if you start by being more satisfied financially. Hmm. Well, we learned last week. Yeah. That it wasn't necessarily not being in debt. It was your perception of how well you felt you were handling yeah. your finances. Yeah. Which is kind of the chicken and the egg, which comes first, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the financial satisfaction or the good communication. Hmm. Well, and I think, well, whatever, right? Because to solve any problem, the stronger your communication skills, the better. Yeah, absolutely. But I just, I want to unpack this financial satisfaction a little bit more before drawing any conclusions here, okay? Okay. So here's a key point. The researchers found a link, Okay. If you're more satisfied financially, you also tend to have higher shared goals and values. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So shared values and goals means that you have negotiated your way towards aligning your goals and values around spending, saving, and budgeting. You've aligned them. Okay. Yeah. So communication, really. Yeah. Yeah. So more satisfied financially means we have more alignment. 
yeah. around our financial goals. Okay. Okay. When you have more shared goals and values, you're less likely to start your discussions harshly. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you're not starting your discussions harshly, you'll have increased relationship satisfaction. Okay. So when couples create shared meaning about money and autonomy, it makes sense that they would be more satisfied with their financial situation. Mm-hmm. This that, is almost like an upward spiral. Yes. In yeah. the right direction, right? Yeah. And so spouses will find peace of mind, generally speaking, they may find peace of mind knowing that their spouse will work towards similar goals as well as share similar values in regards to money. So this is, this mm-hmm. is where I'm kind of challenging to think about how we can draw together on our thoughts about these things as a couple and really create something new and better so that when finances are the issue, they can actually become a strength for your marriage. Oh, okay. Instead of a sore okay. point between you. By learning to create shared goals and values around this area. Okay. It's going to create peace of mind, more satisfaction. It's going to help you grow your communication skills, right? Yeah. And I, I think this is important because it means that having common perceptions about the meaning of money, having those similar hopes and dreams, having similar values about autonomy and independence, which is your ability to kind of spend that, but still be in collaboration with each other. Yeah. You know, that... That whole concept of being together and developing that may actually be more important than the communication itself. So, well, the communication helps, but now we're kind of icing the cake. Okay. By sharing those. By not just. Being aligned. Yeah. Like it's, I guess I'm trying to say it's more than just skills. Okay. Like really good conversation skills are great. But what we need to do is get on the same page. Right. Make sense? Yes. Okay. So are you going to tell us how to do that or? Yeah. Okay. Um, I got that. There's a. Four points I've got coming up. Okay. But I thought you could just tie it back to a story, right? So because we want to work towards aligning the meaning we give to all things financial and align the goals that we have related to all things financial. So for us, there was a turning point for me when I realized that it put a great big safety blanket around you if we had a clear retirement savings plan. Yes. This is where it went beyond communication skills to understanding and acting, right? Yeah. So we were going to set aside our money for this monthly commitment and we're going to invest it wisely. Yeah. Right. And, you know, this is a quick shout out to our investment advisor, Edwin Palsma from Raymond James, licensed for BC and Saskatchewan. So (laughs) if you want his contact info and you live in either of those places, shoot us a note. But when I chose to align with this value you had, it helped our marriage because it made our marriage a safer place for you. Right. What was I doing in that act? I was choosing to share specific goals and values to join with you in them. Okay. Okay. So- Well, like as we said last week, like we all say that our spouse is more important to us than our money. Right. But we don't live that. Right. So this is lining that up. Right. And saying that, no, my spouse is more important. So right. I'm going to make sure they feel comfortable. Yeah. And they feel like they're most important yeah. in my life. And I think I'm going to challenge the spender to align up with the saver. Yeah. Rather than the other way. Gender aside, however that looks. Hmm. I think that's wiser given what we've seen consumer debt do yeah, the debt in our world, crazy. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So these are concepts. Now I want to leave you some practical steps we can take. So here's your practical okay. stuff for Linda. Yep. Number one, turn towards each other. And, you know, you can think of this as physically, you know, we seat, we sit and we talk face to face, right? Mm-hmm. But we need to do this in our hearts as well. So maybe as a couple, you're listening, you've fought long and hard over certain things. Tell your spouse, you're laying down your weapons. And ask him or her to lay theirs down too. And really get serious about the communication skills we mentioned today in past episodes. But just that mental shift of, you know, instead of being in an attacking position, having the fist off of putting the fist down, the weapons down, 
mm-hmm. and just turning towards each other to connect mm-hmm. over this issue and, and agreeing that, you know, we've had a hard time working through this, but as a start, let's agree in principle that we want to be together on this, that we have this common shared goal. Yeah. Okay. So that's more important than what the goal actually is. At the start. Yeah. If you can, because you're starting with something in common. Yeah. And that's what I really like to see couples do. Like they're often get very passionate about something and they forget that the part, the huge amount that they do agree on already. Right. And so establish that first as you head into this conversation. Just remind each other. Yeah. Yeah. Secondly, learn to come up with solutions together. Be supportive. Look for areas you can reduce the strain on your spouse. So this is where you can give, where you can serve, you can sacrifice, right? So it's kind of fascinating to me that while I have the stress of earning the income, you have the stress of the budget. You know, I didn't expect this in our marriage. Yeah. Right? But because I think if I don't make enough, that's my problem. But you get right into it too. And so, you know, we do well in our communications when we acknowledge each other's concerns and devise these solutions together, figure out how we're going to make sort of the the budget end match the income end, right? Yeah. And just kind of going back to a personal note again, the times that you have had stress... Mm-hmm. about income or anything financial and have kind of just internalized it rather than talked about it, Yeah, it's created more stress, hmm. right? Because I knew something was wrong, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what was wrong. Yeah. And like, it just works so much better than when we actually talk about it and you make yourself vulnerable and say, you know what? I'm scared about yeah. this. And in those moments, we're focusing on emotions, right? Yeah. That we have as they relate to the problems that we're experiencing. And then we can work on solutions together. Right. Because then we feel together because you've made yourself vulnerable. You've opened up. Yes. We've connected. Yes. So having both that emotional approach and in this case, the solutions approach, you know, couples that focus on that together, they do best with financial problems, right? Okay. So the third thing I want you to think about is your own personal spending and saving style. So recognize family of origin effects Mm -hmm. and how this was informed by the family that you came from and compare that to your spouse's family. Don't necessarily see one as right or wrong. Right. You want to take the strengths and leave the weaknesses, right? But talking yeah. about this is helpful because it all plays together. Mm-hmm. And and my premise here for this third point about understanding your own spending and saving style and your spouses is that the more understanding you have, the more compassion you'll develop. Right. Super important. Right. And finally, again, work very hard on always being a trustworthy spouse in this area. Be collaborative. Don't be selfish. Don't be controlling. Be stable in your spending rather than impulsive. Mm-hmm. And this is a huge help towards being more together in financial problems and in solving those problems as a couple is being trustworthy. So, mm-hmm. so, so important. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So this is a really complex issue because there's so much at play when we come to these things and how deeply it ties to goals and yearnings and visions for the future and that thing. And there's real stress that goes with this, but I hope this has been helpful for you. What? Can I interrupt again? Yes. I was just thinking like, you know how when I get upset or I'm stressed about something, I just get loud yes. and I don't mean to, but it's almost like, like I almost don't even see it. Yeah. And like, if I'm stressed about finances and I come at you like that, mm-hmm. even when I'm not meaning to, mm-hmm. it can look like I'm really mad at you. Like an attack. Yeah. Yeah. Look like an attack. Mm-hmm. So while I need to practice soft startup, I think... As a spouse, like if your spouse comes at you like that, mm-hmm. going back to your understanding point, mm-hmm. just realizing that, right. you know what, they're, maybe they're not attacking me. Maybe, maybe they are, but maybe they're not. That's how I'm going to interpret it. Yeah. And I can tell that they're really upset about this. So let's try and figure out why and what yeah. we can do to solve it. Yeah. 
So it's like reframing it in your own mind and seeing it as obviously this must be really important to you by the level of your distress. Therefore, rather than attack back. Yes. I'm going to join you and try to understand. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. So if you want more help, feel free to reach out to us. You can send us an email to questions at onlyyouforever.com or go to our website, look at our coaching packages at onlyyouforever.com. And we're just so available to you to be helping you with discussing resolving financial issues, something we'd love to assist you with. Yeah. So that's all for today's episode, I guess. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 60. Remember, we want you to build a marriage you'll enjoy today and treasure for a lifetime. And if there's anything we can do, please reach out to us via the website or email or Facebook. We love to help. Mm-hmm. And next week is the Big Kahuna, episode 61. Well, sort of. That sounds exciting. <laughs> well, this is where we get really, really practical. We're going to help you create a family budget. Right. Which yeah. is cool. So there'll be a special download for you there. We'll talk more about all of that next week. In the meantime, take care and God bless. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Okay, so I want to talk about the chocolate bars you've been stealing from me. I haven't been stealing chocolate bars. Yes, you have. You stole my Twix bars. They weren't bars. They were just Twix bites. I know, but that was still stealing. I only had two. Only had two? How many is it right to have before it's stealing? You left the bag open in the pantry. Did you ask for no. What'd you do that for? Because that's how I wanted it. But that irritates me because it rubs on my arm. Oh, I'm sorry. I have this for a Why don't you put it back the way you want it and go ahead and steal my Twix bars? No, I just needed some chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we get started then? I'll just forgive you for the chocolate bars. Can I have some more chocolate? Right now? Well, when we're done. No. It's my chocolate. Well, don't leave it in my pantry. It's so handy there, though. Yeah, I know. I thought it was our pantry. Well, then it's our chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Okay, let's go.